Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Again, so glad for everyone that is here tonight. Appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse number 1. Then we find the Bible says, again. Somebody say, again. David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up forth the fence, the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the cart, drove the cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord in all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps, on psalteries, on timbrels, on cornets and on cymbals. They had a band, y'all. They had an orchestra. Verse 6 says, And when they come to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, and the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his heir. You know, if God did that today, it'd stop a lot of disobedience, wouldn't it? And there he died by the ark of God, and David was displeased, upset, disturbed, frustrated, because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah, to this day and David was afraid of the Lord that day and said how shall the ark of the Lord come to me how am I going to get God's presence where I need it how am I going to get God to come to me I want to, I'm going to preach to you tonight on this topic trouble at the threshing floor say that with me trouble at the threshing floor Mighty God, we come to you today thanking you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, we did not come for show. We did not come to see or be seen other than to see you and feel your power and your presence. Oh, God, would you have your way in this service? Lead this people 
God, into your presence like never before. Lead us, O oh God, into unprecedented revival. We need it, O oh God. And we will forever give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Worship him. Amen. Before you're seated, worship him for a few moments here. Praise his name in this place. Lord, we love you today. Glory, 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 glory. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. I've preached from this passage on multiple times, and I continue to see something new and something fresh, at least to me. So let me share with you what, what I feel like the Lord has placed in my spirit for our church. Let's first of all get an understanding of what the Ark of the Covenant was. If you're new to church, it would help to understand if you are uh, been around church for a long time, you know that the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, was a rectangular shaped box, a chest, about 47 inches long and about 27 inches wide and about 27 inches deep. It was made of a wood known as shatim wood, overlaid with gold, both inside and out. Matter of fact, the same word that is used for, for Noah pitching the ark uh, within and without is the same word of the gold being pitched within and without, that you couldn't tell where the wood was from the gold. Amen. It, it came together. What a beautiful picture of the deity of Jesus Christ. Amen. Gold and wood. The Ark of the Covenant had its place in the Old Testament tabernacle, and it represented the power and presence of an invisible God. The pagan gods had statues made of wood and stone and various ways that they would present their deity. But our God of glory is an invisible God. You can't see him. He's everywhere. He's all places at the same time. Amen. As, as uh, David was quoting, um, I believe C.S. Lewis, he said, if, you, if humanity's existence of time is a line on the paper, then God is the paper. If, 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 if the universe is a line on paper, then God is the paper. He surrounds it. He's bigger than anything you and I can think. And so the Ark of the Covenant was to symbolize the presence of an omnipotent God. It was to reveal his character to them. It marked the place where an invisible God would come and meet them between the cherubims. For God told Moses, I'll meet you there. I'll commune with you there. Amen. I will meet with you on the mercy seat. On that box was a, 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 a mercy seat or a, a cover over that box that had crowns around it and two angels that faced each other with their wings touching. It was a spectacular and very expensive piece of furniture. Amen. When Moses received the tabernacle plan from God, God started with this ark. It's the first thing that God gave to man. But when man goes to God, he starts at the altar where there is sacrifice being offered to the Lord. That speaks of repentance. We start with repentance, but God is coming from his presence. Our goal is to get to his presence. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> 
The ark was designed to move. It had four rings and four staves or long poles that were overlaid with gold made of the same kind of wood that was used for transportation. Uh, all other pieces of furniture, the staves and the carrying uh, uh, poles on all other pieces could be removed. But in the ark, it was not to be removed. For the Lord said, the staves shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. It's a powerful message because the ark was designed to be mobile. It was designed not only to be mobile, but to be moved quickly. The staves signified mobility and progression and advancement and the preceding presence of God. When the ark began to move, then the priest would pick it up and begin to carry it. If the ark moved, then Israel had to move. The ark, amen, if it remained mobile, then they could be led by the presence of God through the wilderness. How many know we need to be led by the presence of God? His presence ought to be mobile in our life. The minute you make God's presence a monument and you can only allow God to work in this box and in this place is the moment he gets up and moves anyway. Don't make the presence of God to be something that's immovable. In the church, the concept in the church, we need to understand this, that the manifest presence of God moves. The properties of the ark never changed. It was always gold. It was always wood. What was on the inside never changed. The, the, the manna never changed. The, the, the rod of Aaron that, that uh, budded and blossomed and bloomed and presented forth almonds didn't change. Amen. The, the miracle of what God gave them in the law didn't change. But it was willing. They had to be willing to move with it. There are some things that will not change in this word of God. It's forever settled. But the presence of God has to be mobile in our life. You know, it's recorded in Scripture that Jesus healed eight blind men. Eight blind men. In Matthew 9, he healed two where he just simply spoke to them and said, according to thy faith be unto you, they were healed. In Mark 8, he healed one man where Jesus spit in his eye and he was healed. In Mark 12, uh, a demon-oppressed blind man was healed and it, we don't have anything that was said, anything that was done. It just says that he was healed. We find that in Luke chapter 18, a blind man near Jericho and all that Jesus said to him was, recover your sight, that's it. Three words, recover your sight, and he was healed. And then we find in Matthew 20 that two blind men were healed as they were leaving Jericho, and one of them was blind Bartimaeus. Amen. Again, we don't know all the details of what was said or done, but John, in John's gospel, he throws in another healing of a blind man who was born blind. In John chapter 9, Jesus this time spits on the ground, rubs the spittle together with the mud, and makes a ball of mud and sticks it in his eyes. 
and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So you have multiple ways that Jesus healed many different blind men. The concept I believe we've got to understand is that God doesn't always work the same way. God does not always do the same thing the same way every time. The way that revival happened years ago may not be the way that revival happens today. I can't afford to pull the staves out of the ark. I got to leave the staves in the ark so God is flexible if Jesus had made eyes for every blind man he made we would be packing mud together and have a line a prayer line for blind people because this is the way Jesus did it but he shows us his presence like the ark moves in different ways and in the ark with these staves the son of Kohath were commissioned to transport the ark on their shoulders. They were said to bury the ark. He said, don't touch it. The commandment in Numbers is, thou shalt not touch any holy thing lest you die. Don't touch this ark, but you carry it with the staves. For this is to be the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. As long as the staves are in the rings, there will be need for priestly ministry to pick it up and put it on their shoulders. As long as we have a moving presence of God, we are going to, oh Lord, help us today. We are going to need some priests. We are going to need some men and women that will say, I'll put this on my shoulder and I will carry it to, to the next destination. I'll put it on my shoulder and I'll move to revival. We have a God that wants to move in our life more than we think we want him to move in our life. Can you lift up your voice and thank him for that fact in this place? Hallelujah. So David makes the statement, how shall the ark come to me? To know where the ark came from and the journey of the ark through the wilderness. It was created and made by the instruction of God. And God gave to Moses and they created it. As a very significant piece of the tabernacle furniture. They carried it through the wilderness. They crossed the Jordan River. New direction. Fresh entrance into the promised land. And the priests lead that procession with the ark. And they stay in the middle of the river of Jordan as they walk across on dry ground. Amen. We find that the priests are shouldering the mercy of God. As the children of Israel passed by, we find that they took the ark and marched with it around Jericho before the walls would fall. And then later on, we see that in Joshua 18, that they set up the ark in a tent in the place of Shiloh. And there it resided for years until 1 Samuel chapter 4 when the Philistines came and they stole the ark. They stole the ark right out from under their nose. They stole the most holy thing. They took the most holy thing that Israel had. Amen. The ark was gone, so they thought the glory was gone. Woe is us. The glory is gone. God's not going to move anymore like that. God is not going to show us his power anymore. Ichabod is now our name. Amen. I've come to tell you, God is not through with his church. 
Even when it seems like his presence may be a million miles away and things may be dead, dull, and dried up, there's still an ark somewhere that God wants to use, amen, to represent his glory and show us his presence as a moving, mobile force, as a force that doesn't just have to be in this church building, but it could be in your home, it could be in your school, it could be on your job. It's a moving, mobile force. Now, for all you people that still haven't got what the ark was, Indiana Jones and the ark, that's what that's about. Okay. I dropped some carnality right in the middle of a very spiritual message. So the Philistines, they stole the ark, and they had the bright idea to bring the ark that represented the God of Israel into the temple of their God, named Dagon. The next morning when they get up, Dagon is falling over before the ark, and so we better pick him back up. Get a clue, Philistines. They come back the next day. Not only is he falling over, but his head is knocked off, and his hands are knocked off. Amen. What in the world is going on? Amen. Can I simply just tell you that no other authority can stand before God and stand in his presence. No other authority can stand before God. Amen. We were talking today at lunch. In the Grammys, there was some worldly guy that dressed up like the devil. And they they had all kind of demonic activity in this TV award show. And CBS says this is worship unto Satan. They had a few minutes But I want to tell you, there's churches all around America that has been worshiping God for years, for 109 years, right in this place. We have been worshiping the King of glory. Devil, you get your five minutes of fame, but I want to tell you, my King rules forever. He sits on the throne, and I'm going to praise him like nothing else. I'll lift my voice to him. The devil's not going to get my worship. He's not going to get my praise. Thank God you're falling over. Yes. Oh. Praise God. I felt this for a long time, and I'm going to put a mandate there. Sister Gill, we've got to get our organ back. I need you right now on an organ helping me preach. For seven months. They passed the ark from city to city. And everywhere the ark went, people got sick. They got boils. They got problems in their body for seven months. Eventually, they had a noble idea. Let's put the ark on a new cart. And we'll get two mama milk cows, hook them up, put their calves in a stall, and let's just see where that ark goes. Against the nature of those two mama cows, they leave their milk calves in the stall and start heading back to where the ark belonged. 
Would to God that the people of the Lord would get enough understanding of two mama milk cows that says this is more important than that. This is more important. It's more important that I have a move of God than I have anything else. It's more important that I have a move of God than I even take care of my business. It is more important that I have a move of God than my time be spent somewhere else. If a cow can have enough sense, then surely a Holy Ghost filled child of God, Jesus name baptized, would know I gotta get to the house of the Lord. I've gotta get into a prayer meeting. I've gotta get into his presence. The ark was then placed, the Bible tells us, in the house of one called Abinadab. The most important piece of furniture representing the presence and power of God was placed in the home of a man and his family for 20 years. If you didn't know anything about Saul, you would have to know this. He never made a move one to get the ark to Jerusalem. If you didn't know anything else about stubborn, wicked, rebellious Saul, that would be enough. He had no passion for worship, no passion for the presence of God. And then David becomes king. Amen. And then he begins to say, I want to bring the house of God to my place. I want to bring it to Zion. I want to bring it to its rightful place of worship. I want to bring the presence of God, amen, to the place where his house is going to be built. So he buys Ornan's threshing floor and he decides that's where I'm going to set up on Arnan's fleshing floor, it's a good place to build a church. Amen. They, they, they say that's where he then later on set up his temple and his tent on Arnan's threshing floor. Can I tell you, on the threshing floor is where God wants to have a move. On the threshing floor is where God wants to have revival. On the threshing floor is where God wants to pour out his spirit because the threshing floor is a place of harvest. It's a place of harvest. It's where the wheat and the chaff are separated. Amen. For the context of this message, moving forward, I want you to think with your pastor that the moving of the ark to Zion is representative of the move of God in revival. Okay? Are you with me? Keep that in mind when we talk about the move of the ark. And so David, you find in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, he wants to get the presence of God to him. So what does he do? In chapter 13 and verse 1, David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. I want to marry the ark, so I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call all my wise leaders. I'm going to call all my generals. I'm going to call all my advisors. And we're going to talk about moving the ark. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, listen to the words carefully, if it seemed good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in the land of Israel, and with them also the priests and the Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us, 
And let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we inquire not at it in the days of Saul. That's such a sad statement. And all the congregation said that they would do so. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. Saul does not consult the priest. Saul does not consult the law. Saul does not consult the Torah. Saul does not consult a Levi. He consults the popular generals. He consults his buddies. He consults the yes people that want to tell him what to do. He consults the leaders, but he never consults where he should have consulted. He consulted with the people. What do you think we ought to do? How do you think that we ought to do it? David was zealous. Amen. He had a passion. Get that. His his advisors said, let's do this. Let's transport the ark like the Philistines on a new cart. Amen. In building a new cart, they were attempting to duplicate the miraculous of something that happened with two milk cows. Can I tell you, God had a bigger plan than that. I don't have to replicate what the world is doing. I don't have to replicate a secular surrogate move of God. I need the real thing. MPC, we don't need a fake. We need the real move of God. So they're trying to support the ark with man-made thinking, man-made methods, man-made ideology. Secular concepts will never bring a consistent move of the Holy Ghost. I am tired of the church thinking they got to go to the latest church growth conference with a bunch of heretics that do not believe the truth of God's word and think they're going to go give me a plan because they got good systems, because they have got great ways of doing things. They got it all together. They've got everything in perfect place. Hallelujah. I don't need a new idea from the world. I need to go back and consult the one that needs consulting. And that's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What kind of move do you want an MPC in 2023? So they go to the house of Abinadab and they get Uzzah, however you pronounce it, Uzzah. Not very smarty. And Ohio, Ohio. Anyway, these two brothers had been around the ark for years. I am convinced, Brother Dylan, they had touched the ark because it wasn't moving. I am convinced they dusted the ark. I am convinced they polished that thing. They were proud that it sit in their house for 20 years. They tell stories to the kids and the grandkids. They talk about how that, man, this is what has happened to us. Isn't that amazing? And so I can imagine the excitement the day they, they put it on new cart. They hook up the oxen to it, and they're headed out. And as they're going, the band's playing. It's incredible. The worship is going up with all the music and 
the singers and the celebration, and God is pouring. It seems like, man, aren't we having a move of God? Huh? Isn't this the time? Woo, you never heard anything like this in all your life. So they're bringing up the ark, and we find the Bible tells us that something happened when they got to the threshing floor. In 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 4, And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and cymbals. I guarantee you they were all in key, in tune, and had beautiful melodies as it rises. But when they came, verse 6, to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. Something happened on the threshing floor that is usually smooth and beaten smooth for the, the time of harvest. Somewhere there was a, a, a wobble. Somewhere there was a dip. Somewhere there was a rut. Somewhere there was something, a rock that caused the ark to shake and it's about to fall off and, 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 and the music is playing and everybody's having a great time and, and Mr. Uzza puts out his hand like he had done before but this time the ark is moving. This time the ark is progressing and God has a plan for the ark to move. God has a plan for his presence and you don't mess with God's plan. You don't do what God says do not do. And he put forth his hand and he dies. I wonder which one of those musicians first saw it. Drops his flute which one strummed the last drum on that harp as that music of glorious praise comes to a dramatic conclusion. There's a man that's dead because he misread and was misunderstanding the move of God. I want to tell you, I never want to be guilty, Brother Jason, of misunderstanding the move of God. I don't want to put God in a box, amen, and pull the staves out and say, this is the only way you can move, amen. I don't want to just simply say it can only happen like it happened in 1914 and the revivals that have come through MPC as the years go, oh, God, whatever you have for us in 2023, we're going to put the staves in the ark. We're going to be mobile. We're going to be ready to move with you whatever direction you have for us. Oh, God, let us not put God in a box and say you can only move this way, oh, you're much bigger than that. You're more powerful than that. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. The Bible says in verse 7, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him for his error. Now, I want to tell you something. In, in, in your King James Version Bible, if you look at your Bible, you will find his is italicized. That means that the translators added that thinking that they could clarify the sentence. But let's look at it as it stands in the original. 
The anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for error. It wasn't just Uzzah. He paid the ultimate price, but it was David and all his leaders and everybody that planned and figured it all out, how they thought God was going to do and what God was going to, how we needed to move that, how we need to proceed with that. Amen. Lord, what did we do wrong? I could hear David saying, we have planned and we have worked. We have prepared and we have practiced. Lord, we have had intercession and we have had revival. We are the ones who took care of the ark for 20 years, God, and we're bringing it back to your presence. And now everything is, is, is discombobulated. Everything is falling to pieces. And David said, so we're going to name this threshing floor Perez Uzzah for the breach of God happened in our harvest. The breach of God happened in our move. I never want to be in a place where I am the breach. Amen. That stops the move of God and the presence of God. So I got to get what needs to be got right and let God do the rest. Do you know what Uzzah means? Uzzah means human strength. Human force. In the middle of harvest time, in the middle of revival, Uzzah sticks his hand up and says, I got this. I got this. My strength, I got this. We're blessed with great talented people that mean bupkis in the eyes of a move of God if we think we're going to hold it up by that. It's not going to be good preachers preaching that does it. It's going to be because the Lord says, if you'll move it as I'm designing, if you'll move it like I want it to be moved, you're going to find that I'll lead you in the right direction and you'll finally be able to answer, how can I get the ark to me? Trouble happened. In the place of harvest, in the threshing floor, because human strength was trying to get it done. Human strength was trying to, we cannot manufacture revival. I, I'm, I'm, I want you to hear me tonight. I don't care how many songs the choir sings or how many people we got in our seats. We cannot manufacture revival. All we can do is say, what does the word say to do? What does the Bible say to do? Oh, he says, go pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. I can do that. He says, lay aside every sin and every weight that so easily beset you. I can do that. Stop being carnal and stop being defeated by the enemy. I can do that. I'll do what you want me to do because I need you to do, Lord, what only you can do. The threshing floor is the area during harvest where the harvest is gathered and the chaff is separated from the wheat. David built an altar on Arnage threshing floor. I told you about that. Later built the temple. Ruth. You know where Ruth found Boaz? Where did Ruth discover Boaz? He was at an odd place. He was in the threshing floor asleep. You know why he was there asleep? Because robbers and thieves will come to steal the harvest. It is very common for entire families to move out next to the threshing floor during harvest because it is such a serious place that you're going to find that we save the harvest. 
I'm telling you, revival harvest is very important. But how many have we lost when we've stuck our hand up and said, I'll do it my way? And how many people have not misunderstood that they were chaff and should have been separated, amen, from the wheat? I pray to God that if we could understand this, if we get it right with God, there is nothing that can stand in the way of God's people. Amen. There is nothing that we can, that can stand in the way of your victory. There is nothing that can stand in the way of your family being saved. There is no, if you, you and I, oh, I wish I could get this off my chest. Hallelujah. The trouble at the threshing floor is that human strength tried to dictate the move of God. Human strength was trying to push it. But what God wants and what God designed is that the ark should be transported on the shoulders of the priest. Revival is not predicated on good style, good music, good lighting, good heat and air. Revival is not predicated on a good preacher. It's not based on how talented we are. Revival is based on obedience to the Word of God. Obedience to the Word of God. Not my ideas, Lord, yours. Not my desires, Lord, yours. So what did David do? David took the ark and he moved it in the house of one called, uh, of, of house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. He moved it into a Philistine's house. I don't know why. Maybe he did, thought you can touch it, you won't die. I don't know. But he moved it into that house. And the Bible says the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Eden for three months. And the Lord blessed mm, Obed-Eden and all his house. I guarantee you Mr. Obed-Eden had a different reverence for that ark than Abinadab and his sons when he saw Uzzah die. I believe there was a different cherishing of the ark. And so David hears that he is being blessed. And so David says, we're going and we're going to go get the ark. And we're going to bring it up. And in 1 Chronicles 15, the same story is rehearsed. In 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 1, And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God. He didn't have that in the last time, but this time he said, I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get ready. The ark of the Lord is not just going to willy-nilly come in. I'm going to be prayerfully designed in a place for the ark. And David said, none ought to carry the ark of God, but the Levites, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God. I'm done with new cart mentality. I'm done with the new cart revival. I'm done with the new way of doing it that's related to the Philistines. I want to know what the word says. I'm going back to the word. The Lord had chosen them to carry the ark. 
Verse 3, and David got all, gathered all of Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord on the place he had prepared for it. If you jump over to Numbers 4 and 15, the Bible says here related to the ark, and when Aaron and his sons had made an end of covering the sanctuary, all the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is set forward, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. Then it says something very powerful in the next line. These things, somebody say these things are the burden, the burden of the sons of Kohath. We cannot dictate revival. We just got to carry the burden. We can't just call an evangelist in and we're going to have a move of God. We just keep on carrying the burden. We, we can say, well, this particular Sunday, we're going to have this special event. We just carry the burden of God. We go to prayer meeting. We're there praying. We're here in the house of the Lord worshiping. What are we doing? We're carrying the presence of the Lord. We're carrying the burden of the Lord because we don't know exactly when that time is that he's going to break through on us. But until that time comes, just call me a burden bearer. Let me bear it. The word bearer means to show something in high standard or status, to rank it prominent. So when you put it on your shoulders, let's just let the burden be a high prominent matter in our life. Amen. There is a proper way to handle the holy things of God. There is a proper way to handle the house of God. The Levites spent five years training before they ever put their hand to a stave. Why? It's important. It's very special. I pick up the reading in 1 Chronicles 15 and 12. And said to them, you are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, both you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place I've prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach. Because we got it wrong, somebody died. Verse 14, so the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves. They prepared themselves. They got holy. They washed themselves with cleansing. And, and they did the appropriate steps to sanctify themselves, to bring up the ark of the Lord. And the children of Levites bear the ark of God on their shoulders. Huh. And it had the staves within, as Moses commanded according to the word of God. I've told you this before, but let me tell you again. They have, Jewish priests have done studies and research to figure out the weight of the ark being solid gold within and without and the shatim wood there. According to their speculation, the ark, the box itself, weighed somewhere around 440 pounds, just the box. This figure does not include the two cherubims at either end, nor the mercy seat on top of it that was solid gold. It, it is their rough estimate, Brother Chris, that the ark would weigh somewhere around 4,400 pounds, just itself. 
with the cherubims, solid gold, and the mercy seat of gold. And the box. That's not including what was put in it. Doesn't include the tables of stone, the bowl of manna, Aaron's rod, plus the veil. Doesn't include any of that. The highest speculation or one speculation that I could find was that altogether the ark would have weighed just that little box because of its properties would have weighed 4,700 pounds. I am not an engineer. But in my little gill brain, it would be impossible for staves unless they were like a foot in diameter to carry that. Then you'd have to have 45 men to carry it. There's some things I think we need to learn from this. When I say bear the weight of the glory, it's something on your shoulder makes you remember this is holy. This is righteous. This is divine. It's not just on a cart that I can kind of guide along at my whim, but it is holy. It's righteous. Amen. But here's the thing that is amazing as well, is that the Hebrew priests believe to this day that God would supernaturally assist these priests to carry the ark. Amen. And I have found scripture that backs that up in this story. For in 1 Chronicles 15, as the story continues, so David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. Somebody say with joy. But I want you to look at the next verse. And if you've got a Bible, I want you to underline it. It says in verse 26, and it came to pass when God, look at that, when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant. I'm here to tell you, it's not just all on your shoulders. God said, I'll help you carry it. I know it's bigger than you. I know that... It's too holy for me. It's too righteous for me. I can't sanctify myself enough. I can't get good enough. But if I will do what I can, God said I'll help you carry. I love David. Verse 27, it says he was clothed with a robe of fine linen. And all the Levites that bear the ark and the singers. And Shenanah, the master of the song with the singers. David had upon him a, a linen ephod. Then look at this. What shows up? The praise team and the band. All Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with sound of cornet and with trumpets and with cymbals making noise with psaltery and harps. That which they got wrong, they did well. But oh my, when you get it right, the same practice presents a different kind of level of anointing. 
when you get it right, the same practice, the same intention, the same faithfulness takes it to another level. Please hear your pastor. If we will be faithful in the burden of God, God will show up and help us carry the presence to where it needs to go. If we will be faithful to obey the word of God, then he's going to help us carry it by his word. Oh, can you love him with me right now? This story of the Old Testament gives us New New Testament principles to have revival, to have a move of God. And how are we going to do that? Now, David also did something else. And I went to Bishop's office before church to make sure I was preaching this right. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, it picks up after they get the ark and they're carrying the ark and they're bringing it up. In verse 12, 2 Samuel 6, and it was told King David, the Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Eden and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Eden unto the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord and had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. I asked Bishop this question because I have never found it. Is there any mandate from God for this six paces worship business? Did God ever tell him to do that? Is there any law? I've looked. He said, none that I've ever seen. If we'll do what God asks of us in obedience, we then will be free to do what we feel out of passion. Oh, pastor, I want to do this and I want to do that. Yeah, but hold on. Let's get the ark first. Let's bring the ark first. But when I get it right, there's going to be something that happens in my feet. There's going to be something that happens in my song. There's going to be something that happens in my family. There's going to be something that happens in my giving. There's going to be something that happens in my home. There's going to be something that happens. It's called a move of God and revival. Okay, I need all the praise team, all the music, come up. Lord, we love you today. Thank you, Lord, today. Please hear me. If there's sin in your life, get it taken care of. If there is something that you're doing that's besetting your walk with God, get out of it. Get, get, get it out of your life. Repent today. Change your mind. Decide you're going to follow God with all your heart. Maybe it's something you dreamed of having a move of God like that. You, you dreamed of just seeing the Lord move in a mighty way. But we're trying to do it on a new cart. And the Lord says... I can't help you when it's all about your strength. It's all about your power. All about your wisdom and your understanding. Because what God wants to do most of the time doesn't make a lick of sense 
to the flesh. Carrying 4,700 pounds on the shoulders of the priest doesn't make a lick of sense to anybody that watches. Oh, they're Hercules. Oh, no, they're, they're, they're Mr. Atlas. Oh, no, they're Arnold Schwarzenegger. Look how strong. No, there's a power of God, amen, that rests upon the shoulders that says, oh, God, how am I going to get what I can't carry to where it needs to go? Oh, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Lord, you're going to have to help MPC. We need a revival, Lord, for this generation. We need a revival, Lord. God, like we've had throughout the years. God, we need a mighty move. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the glory on my shoulder, and I'm going to keep carrying it. But that's not all I'm going to do. I'm going to do what the Bible says, and then I'm going to do what my heart says. <laughs> I'm going to do what the Bible says, then I'm going to do what my heart says. <laughs> glory. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. When I got the Holy Ghost, I was seven years old. And I tell you, the power of God hit this young little boy at seven years old. And my parents told me, because I did not remember, I danced before the Lord for an hour and a half, speaking in other tongues. And ever since then, there's been a dance in my heart. Oh, and if I can get the ark right, then I'm going to learn how to be like David. And I'm going with six paces. One, two, three. Three, four, five, and then six. I'm going to offer my sacrifice unto God, and I'm going to get my praise on. Hallelujah, because I got revival right. I got a move of God right. I got a move of God right. Here's what, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If there's sin in your heart, repent tonight and walk out that door with a different mindset. <laughs> if there's sin in your life, repent, change, and get, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. And say, no more am I going to be Uzzah trying to do it my way. I'm doing it your way. Because if I do it your way. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.